Welcome back. We're in Genesis 28.1. Let's go. Genesis 28.1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. All right. So we got Isaac calling Jacob. So remember, Rebecca found out that Esau wanted to kill Jacob. So she was like, son, you need to leave. You need to go away for a few days. Why she said a few days? I don't know, but it ended up being over 20 years that he would have been gone and she never gets to see him again. But Isaac gets in on it too. So here Isaac knows that Jacob's going away. Isaac knows all that's going on. He knows that he was deceived by Jacob. He knows that Esau wants to kill Jacob. And he could have easily been upset about what Jacob did. But let's take a look here. So here Isaac knowingly blesses Jacob. Remember, previously he was deceived and he thought he was blessing Esau uh, originally, but now he knowingly blesses Isaac, even though he knows that Isaac tried to trick him, deceive him, and actually did so. Very interesting. So Isaac now knows that the blessing will indeed flow to Jacob and not to Esau. Check this out. Rather than hold a grudge, Isaac moves forward and lives in the moment. Do you see how... You could easily miss this just by running through the Bible and being like, I got to get through this verse. I just got to read a chapter. I got to read for five minutes. I got to do something, right? Take your time going through the Bible. Remember these three principles to, to doing uh, Bible study. Observation, interpretation, application. Observation is reading the text. It's easy to do. Interpretation, what does it mean? And application, what does it mean to me? Like, how do I apply it to my life? That's the application. How do I apply it? So how do you apply this? This is huge. Isaac could have easily been like, Jacob, you're a disappointment to me. You tricked your brother. You deceived me. You lied to me. You were not honest with me. And I'm going to hold this grudge and I'm going to do whatever. Now, Jacob's a grown man. It's not like he could spank him or sentence him to his room or take away his iPhone or whatever back then. But he could have done something to hold that grudge. And so many people in our society, in our world, do that today. Someone wrongs them and they hold that grudge, that anger, that resentment, that uh, regret or guilt or whatever it is. But you know what Isaac did here? He did something that we can all learn from. He didn't hold that against Jacob. He didn't hold that against Jacob. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Is there anything, anyone out there that you have any inkling of anger in your heart towards? Any inkling of unforgiveness? Of all the listeners that are listening to this, I promise you there's at least one of you and probably a lot of you who have that. And what I pray right now and I pray today is that you will let that go. Today would be the day that you leave the past in the past, that you just trust God with today. Because if you hold on to that grudge, it will hold on to you. That person doesn't know you have a grudge about them. They go on with their life. Your anger and resentment towards them doesn't affect them at all. It affects you. It makes you bitter and cold, withdrawn, puts up walls, makes you hard. Don't do that. If you have anything against anyone, a spouse, an ex-spouse, a parent who hurt you, a friend who wronged you, someone who stole from you, make today be the day that you release it. And you can't do it in your own power, but you can do it in the power of Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to work through you, to live through you as he does living and dwelling inside of you if you're a Christian and let it go, okay? So it says, and he said, uh, so Isaac says to Jacob, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. He's telling him not to marry an unbeliever. Sage advice, right? Godly advice. 
Make sure you're teaching this principle to your children and grandchildren and other believers. Again, do you see how easy it would be just to run past this verse if you're not thinking through it? You're just like, I just got to get through my Bible study. Don't think I've got to do my Bible study because it makes me a better Christian. It makes me closer to God. I have to do it. The church says it. my Bible group, my study group. Do it because you want to. You genuinely want to get closer. If you have a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend or you know whatever it is, that wherever you are in your life, and you, or just a friend, and you want to get closer to that person, you're going to want to do things. You're going to want to spend time with them, ask them questions and talk and learn about them and stuff, right? Do the same thing. Go through the Bible and read this and interpret it and apply it to your life and how it can make you better and grow closer to God. And by doing that, it'll make you better. So you're going to see in a lot of the Old Testament, you're going to see a lot of this, a couple of things. One, marrying an unbeliever and two, having uh, polygamous relationships, multiple wives, Uh, Pretty common that you'll see thread through the Old Testament, but the Bible is clear as you read through it that marriage is to be between two people, one man, one woman, one male, one female. And it's a picture of the joinder of Jesus is the head of the body and the, uh, Jesus is the head and the church is the body coming together in one, uniting together as one. And marriage is actually not just between two people, but actually three. It's the husband, the wife, and God, right? He is the glue that binds us together because we become one together when you get married. It's no longer two, but one, but it's Jesus at the center of that. So he's saying, don't marry someone who doesn't have the number one most central thing in their life in common with you, which is Christ. Because if you love Jesus, Jesus should be the number one central theme of your life. He should not only be uh, prevalent, but he should be predominant Uh, He should be numero uno, right? Everything should flow from that. And you're going to have tough days. Yesterday I had a tough day. I was was stressed. I was just worn out. But today I woke up, it's a new day. And I repented of the stress yesterday of, you know, just letting stress uh, take over my day. But God's like, today's a new day. Let's go out. Let's march again. Let's do this. And uh, wake up with renewed uh, vigor and motivation to, to know Jesus better and to grow in that relationship and let him live through me in the Holy Spirit and and guide me. So we want to be gathered together with someone who is a believer. If you're already married to someone and they're not an unbeliever, stay with that person. God wants to use you to bring them to him uh, with by your example. But if you are not married or if your child or grandchild is not married, but courting someone who is not a believer, I encourage you to step in immediately and just walk through the Bible of what biblical marriage looks like. And so he's saying, don't take a wife from there. And again, you'll see this Canaan. He's saying from the, from the daughters of Canaan. So the Canaan, uh, land of Canaan, uh, you know, in my simple layman's terms that you'll hear me use often, is good. Land of Canaan, good. Canaanites, bad. The land itself is promised by God. The people who are living there are idolatrous and not seeking after God. And so that's why he's saying, don't take a wife from among the people living in Canaan, even though this is actually the land. You're going to get the land, but the people you know, need, need to come to God. Number two, arise, go to Paran Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother, okay? So Isaac's married to Rebekah. Rebekah's brother is Laban. Rebekah's daughter, uh, son, is Jacob. She has a couple sons, Esau and Jacob. And now she's saying, go find a daughter of Laban to marry. So she's saying, he, you know, Isaac and Rebecca are saying, go marry uh, your cousin, our niece. 
one of our nieces over there. And remember, that was there wasn't as big a gene pool to choose from over there. And sin had not taken its full effect and full root uh, on the world at that point in time. And so marrying intra-family was not only what people had to do kind of towards the beginning because the population wasn't as big as it is today. Um, and we all came from the same place anyways, Adam and Eve, and then ultimately after that, Noah and his wife. And um, But sin had not taken the root, right? Sin, uh, Death is the result of sin. And we live in a lost and dying world with illness and disease, and that's all a result of that sin. And over time, it takes a bigger and bigger effect. Um, you know, cancer and all this stuff that you see out there uh, gets worse and worse over time. And that's why if a brother and sister or cousins or something get married and have a baby today, you're typically going to see birth defects. Uh, back then, the sin had not taken the deep root that it has taken today. Then Isaac goes on to uh, give this blessing to Jacob in verse 3, 28.3 says, May God... Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Wow. So Isaac is recognizing and vocalizing that God had given this blessing to Abraham. Then he gave this blessing to Isaac. Now it's going not to Esau, the oldest, but is going to Jacob, which is the younger of those two children, because Jacob now had the birthright, which is what God wanted. Now, Jacob took matters into his own hands, which he should not have, but God decided to bless the situation anyways. Remember that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his his purpose, Romans 8, 28. And we'll also learn, as we'll see in the story of Joseph later, that what the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. God uses everything, right? He allows us to have this free will. He even uses what we would you know, term as evil people. He uses evil people for his righteousness sake, for uh, his ways that he needs, because his ways are higher than our ways, way higher. And it's uh, so we just want to recognize this blessing again. May God Almighty bless you. So he's pouring this, passing it through from God and make you fruitful and multiply you. He, he's saying that you're going to have peop, uh, descendants that are going to be numerous, that you may be a, an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you. So it's going to flow through you, that you may inherit the land in which you're a stranger. So they feel like a stranger in this land because the Canaanites are evil and idolatrous people who are rejecting God rather than worshiping him. And it says, which God gave to Abraham. So he's recognizing that again. Uh, verse 5, and then we'll pick up tomorrow in 6. Verse 5, so Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So we already talked about that, what that means right there. So my challenge for you today, if there's anyone in your recent past or decades ago who has hurt you, who has taken money, who has hurt you physically, emotionally, mentally, in any way, and you have anything in your heart that is against that person, anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, I challenge you today to make today the day and write it down on paper to say this is the day that God helped me to move forward from this. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for helping us to forgive that through your power, we can actually forgive because you forgive us. We can actually love with agape, unconditional love, because you love us with agape, unconditional love. That means Lord, that we don't just love people who love us back. That's uh, phileo. 
type of love, but we love people even if they've hurt us, even if they've wronged us, even if they continue to wrong us. Lord, help us to forgive and to love like you forgive and you love. In your amazing name, amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.